Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today this is uh, two good brothers out of Augusta, Georgia, Truez and Chris. Thank you True. for joining me. Truez. Truez. <laughs> I fought. Nah. I messed it up. Nah, 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 nah. That's it's good. It's good talk, dude. You know, I'll, I always tell people anyway, like, you know, overseas, I'm pretty sure that's what they call me. Oh, Truez? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> How y'all brothers doing today? So, so I'm gonna start with you, True Ace. Um, first of all, man, congratulations on dropping two solid projects. Appreciate it, man. And and now I'm realizing Chris is the actual producer. So congratulations to you for actually producing both uh, projects. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. So his I'm first a, project too. This, what's yeah. that? It was my first project. project. This is your this your first project. The uh the flight three twenty three was the first project, yeah. Okay, that's the first one y'all two did together. Yeah, but that was my first one. Period. Like in general, as oh. far as for producing, yeah. Oh wow! So that was your first one. What was it? So what? So I'm gonna ask True is what? What gave you the confidence to work with him? Uh, honestly, man. You know, a lot of people don't know if they just tuning into the music aspect. So we actually knew each other since we were like 11, 11 years old. And I'm originally from Jersey. So I like coming down here, you know, coming to a different state in general, I didn't really know anybody. And he was one of the first dudes I took to. We used to uh, play ball at the Michael Curry camp. Uh, Michael Curry used to be an NBA player play for the Pistons and stuff like that. But we used to uh, play at the camp, and that's how I really met him. His dad used to take me back home. Um, and then when school started back up, I never seen him because I was we was going to uh, different schools. But his dad was always at the Josie practices here in Augusta, Georgia. And being at the Josie practices allowed me to get introduced into playing AAU basketball or, like, you know, just little small things in the summer. And then that's when I really started to be around Chris Moore. And uh, still the same. His dad used to take me home. We used to go out to eat after games and all of that stuff. So we knew each other from a very young age. And then after all of that AAU stuff kind of like slowed up, um, we kind of went our separate ways. I, I went back to Atlanta uh, to live in Atlanta for a little bit and then Virginia. And then when I came back down, by the time I got to high school, I went, I switched schools and I had no idea he was at this school, but then I was just like, oh shit, like that's, that's my dude from when I was 11 years old. Like, and it's a surreal feeling because you're not from here. So when you start, when you meet somebody from childhood, you know, y'all like 15, 16 now, but it's like, I knew him when I was 11 and I'm, I done moved all over the place and so we got back cool then. We played ball together at Westside, and I spent the night over his, his house numerous of times, even on school nights. Like, it, was, it that's how deep we go. And um, I'm going to let him uh, finish a little bit of this. I'm going to just say, you know, when he joined the military, he left. And when he left, you know, I continued my music ventures, but he will always kind of be there to kind of like tell in other, you know, not to sound stereotypical, but he always was was there telling me that he was going to be there in general. And then, so when he picked up the skill uh, of making beats, 
it was like perfect. I was thinking about quitting music. Like I was thinking about just kind of falling back for a little bit because I'd have seen a lot and done a lot. And it kind of was becoming a detriment to my creative process. And so when he picked up the skill, it revitalized this energy inside of me. And Flight 323 ended up being my first real album for sale on all platforms. A lot of people don't know that I've been rapping for a minute, but I was I was uh, releasing a lot of projects on different platforms, and this one was my first official real album, and it's only fitting that you do it with your best friend. Wow, that's that's dope, man. That's dope. Yeah, I'm gonna man. go to you, Chris. Um, how did you feel when he came to you and said, "You know what? I want you to do the whole album." Or was that the original idea for him to for you to do the whole album? Nah, I mean. It felt good to me, but more or less, it was just like, I just kept sending him stuff and he kept making songs and the songs was good. And it eventually turned into, you know, we could just use X amount of these songs to make a project. And then we kept doing stuff. And then it's like, yo, this is, this is album quality stuff, you know? And then that's when we start brainstorming about what we gonna call it, what we gonna name it, Flight 323, oh, let's release it on this day, let's, you know, and stuff like that. But it wasn't really, like, it wasn't a plan. It just kind of happened. You know what I'm saying? How is it working with one artist? Like, it's not, there's starting to be a trend. Well, there's a few albums where it's one rapper, one producer. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about doing a whole album for one artist? For me, for me personally, it's not that hard. The hard part for me is working with one person for so long and then trying to go work with other people because mm -hmm. the other people might not want the same thing that he wants. Like, I know what he wants. I know what kind of drums he likes. I know what kind of melodies he likes. But if I go do that with another artist, they might not necessarily feel it that way. You know what I mean? So it's not hard in the sense of just working with one person, but working with multiple people, I, I feel like that'll be more of a challenge. This question for you, Truez, was you ever, did you have any apprehension about the his sound maybe being repetitive, or you knew that he would had ability to switch it up for each song? Well, uh, so as a as a man and as a person, I always know he has the ability to to do something greater than his previous work. Only because I know how we are as people. Like before music or anything, you know you know, kind of like going back to the days that we hooped and stuff like that. And, you know, I tell this, I tell them the story all the time, like uh, how we are as, as, as hoopers. Like I take a lot of things seriously, even when I'm not supposed to, like, even when it's not, you know, a warranted or whatever. So like, well, if we be on the court, you know, Chris might, everybody know Chris, everybody know me, but everybody know Chris. It's a different type of vibe. Like, here in Augusta, like, if, if we on the west side playing at Warren Road, everybody's going to talk to Chris and have conversations with Chris. Everybody's going to say, what's up, what's up, the truth. I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the fact that I wasn't necessarily born here, so I didn't really create those those relationships like he, he was able to do. So, you know, while we playing, you know, Chris might be, like, a little friendly with everybody, and I might be like, all right, man, like, you know, let's let's get to work. And then, you know, we might come back and start winning the game. And we, like, have this, like, we look crazy on the court. But 
that's kind of like how it is even with music. It's kind of like, all right, we doing this. That's cool. But now we got to do this. And Chris ain't the one to back down from a challenge. And that's, a, and that's another thing that I know, like, subconsciously in my mind, I know I can talk to him a certain kind of way because he always going to try to meet the challenge. Same way with me. If he ever says, if he ever tells me what to do or what kind of version of myself he would like, I'm always going to be like, oh, okay. You know, he want to hear conscious truths or he want to hear the singing truths. So I'm always going to take it like a compliment. So I think that's where it really comes from, where I kind of, I trust his, I trust his creative process because I know he's always going to try to meet a higher requirement of what's being asked. So it's really not, it's really not a worry to me. It's just, no, I know like as who I am, in his life and as an artist, that's just what I do in general. Like, you know, I'm always trying to push the envelope. I'm always trying to like go over the edge with something or do something brand new. So it's kind of like Chris wants to be great. And if you want to be great, we're going we gonna to have to do great things. And then now we can grow together and be great together. Well, you, Chris. As mentioned, you was in the military. First of all, thank you for your service. Oh yeah, no problem. How how has that has that had any impact on your production? Like how you view things, like your well, sonic sound, because you've been able to travel. So it it, it well, I'm gonna just say I was a big music fan growing up because of my parents and so like he said, his mom played certain music, my dad played certain music. Going back to country blues, like all kind of different stuff. But being able to travel and go to places like Korea and Hawaii and even Seattle and stuff like that, it's like you hear a different style of music. It ain't just like Seattle music is still West Coast music, but they got their own flavor. It's not the same as California West Coast. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So hearing different stuff like that does open your ears up to a lot of different ideas and sounds and, you know, sonics and stuff like that, like you said. Has any one particular region influenced you? Uh, the South, <laughs> where we're from, <laughs> but not, not just, not just South in the sense of like rap, you know what I mean? Like South in general, like you say, the blues, James Brown, you know what I mean? Uh, even somebody like, a, um, I can't even think of my dude name, the dude who sang Tutti Fruity song, you know what I mean? Little like Richie. even people, yeah, Lil Richie, yeah, you know what I mean? Like all those kind of different people. It's just like, it's just like all that stuff influences it. Even the great bands, the Gap bands, and you know Otis Redding, like all those kind of people, you know what I mean? Like that stuff is like that's the kind of stuff I grew up listening to. So when I do have a, a beat that we make, and I have a traditional bass instead of an 808 bass, that's where that's coming from. You know what I mean? Also, also we gotta add in the fact that we we coming out of the hometown of James Brown too. So yeah. it's like to, to for your dad, like I wasn't a I wasn't a huge James Brown fan because I wasn't from where he's from necessarily, but I know about music, so I'm a music enthusiast, but like him being from here adds that element that I can't fully add to my music only because of roots. Like my, my roots is from here, but like when I mean by roots, it's like my initial impact on this earth. You know? So my initial p impact on this earth is being up north, and, you know, being around a certain environment, certain sounds and all of that, certain music, where he's being raised with 
you know, a lot of the old school music, but then also by this legendary artist of James Brown that his dad can be able to tell him he's from where you from. And, and I think that has a different type of resignation with natives from Augusta, Georgia. I'm going to get into the project. The first one I'm going to get into is the, the newest one, the Black American 2020. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start with you, True is. The first song, the album starts with Riots, very powerful song. How did you make the selection to start the album with that song? So you, you ever heard the uh, Tupac, All Eyes On Me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That album starts off with Ambitious as a rider. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and you already know how legendary that song is for Tupac, but a lot of people don't really correlate the fact that it was number one on the album. So now it comes in like boom, 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 boom. And then he starts doing his thing. So in my mind, I'm like, man, I want to start the project off with Good Morning America, but I, I, I but we in 2020. I got to hook them. You know what I mean? And the one way to hook them is with that sample and then the fact that I recorded the record just like Tupac would record the record. I'm I'm a big music enthusiast and how music is actually recorded too as well. Like I'm not I'm not totally big on sound and pro- and production in a certain sense, but I know what the artist was thinking. So I started to stack my joints a little bit more. I started to like if I say I was in the classroom giving game to the children, like like that's all that's a Tupac flow. If I'm in the classroom giving game to the children while everybody was hot in the club for bitches, like that's that's a, a Tupac um, flow pattern. And I'm hooking you because in your mind, the psychology of doing music in your mind, you're going to think about Tupac. And everybody loves Tupac. So once you think about Tupac, once I got you hooked, then it's off to the races. Now you got to hear the rest. And then you realize that it's only five songs. So it's like, well, shit, I might as well listen to the whole thing. You know what I mean? It's a a great, it's a great hook. Great hook. Now, now Chris, how did you come up conceptually with the song, the idea for the production? True said... I want to do Ambition as a writer, and I want that piano riff, and I want you to do your thing with that piano riff. And that's how it came about. Not even on no cocky or nothing, but that's literally what he told me. Yeah. So I just did it. And when I sent it to him, he was like, that's it. Hey, that's that's an alley-oop, too. Uh, I got to add, that's an alley-oop. that's one of those. That's one of those things we were just talking about earlier. Is not really worrying about what somebody's gonna do, because it's like I'm gonna give you one basis, and I already know where you're gonna take it at. You know what I mean? To add in it in there, I was like, trap it out, and then it's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So it's like we're gonna get the same feeling, but we're gonna make it 2020. Mm-hmm. So then it's like then he adds his 2020 drums on because Chris was burnt as a producer in this new age so because he was birthed as a producer in this new age it's so easy to go there so all all my whole job was to just make sure the basis is laid the basis is this is the sample 
but everything else is Chris because it's like I trust you. I know what you're going to do with it. You're a music enthusiast. Going back to our previous uh, conversation a couple minutes ago, you're a music enthusiast. I already know what you know. You know what I mean by this, <laughs> and so I can just toss that joint up. And and you know what? I'm a I'm a backpedal real quick. I'm gonna make this quick because I because I like this freestyling aspect of this uh this interview. But it's like the 323 comes from Dwayne Wade and LeBron James playing for the Miami Heat. Mm. That's what it means. You know that classic picture of Dwayne Wade throwing an alley-oop up and LeBron catching that. Oh, uh, yeah. You got Dwayne <laughs> Wade just sitting there like this. And in the picture, you got LeBron up there. And so how I look at that, uh, Chris's favorite uh, basketball player of all time is LeBron James. My favorite basketball player of all time is Dwayne Wade. We bonded off of even them two playing on the same team together. So we have to adopt those ways of how to win a championship and how you win a championship. Okay, the, okay, you got to let the other person be who they are. You know what I mean? And then you just got to kind of like assist them. So that's me throwing an alley-oop to Chris. Now, it's other times when Chris throw the alley-oop to me. He might, he might make a beat, and I don't know he's making a beat, and he send it to me and tell me what kind of vibes they're on. But he's not saying other rappers. He's saying songs that we've done before. So when I hear, if I hear him say, yeah, bro, this is on that lines of that Notorious on Flight 323, I'm going to be like, mm, okay, so I know what he want from, I know what he want on this record, and I'm going to give it to him because it's an alley-oop. And then so on something like this with Riot, I'm like, okay, I'm going to throw him an alley-oop. We need this sample, sample this joint, and I'm going to lob that joint up, and I already know you're going to freak it on your way down. (laughs) So we're going to stick with the LeBron and Wade thing. So Chris is LeBron. You're LeBron, correct? Yeah. So (laughs) let me ask you, are you actually comfortable and facilitating, and I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna, this is the reason I ask you that. If you remember mm-hmm. his first year in Miami, they didn't win a championship because uh. they wasn't able to. You know what I'm saying? They wasn't able to decide who was able to take the lead role. But right. you know, after they de- kept playing together, LeBron kind of, you know, took the lead a little bit. Had, right, took the lead, and it yeah. wasn't that he outshined Wade. It was just somebody had to step up. Yeah. facilitate. So are you comfortable being that facilitator? Yeah, with him. Yeah. <laughs> because because like I don't want to get too deep into, you know, past stuff, but you know, it's a two-way street for a person. Like everybody needs a team. When you look at every artist, every artist has somebody around them. And that person who like make that stuff happen is the LeBron player. You know, D-Wade could just play and do his thing when LeBron was, you know, facilitating and doing certain stuff. And I do feel like I could be that person with him, not just production-wise, just because the friendship, you know what I'm saying? They don't, like, our friendship is deeper than just him making music and me making him beats. So with that, you know, mindset, you know, it's easy for me to be able to give him direction and for him to be able to accept me giving him direction or constructive criticism and stuff like that. Yo, I, I want to add. I want to add. So, this is fun. You know, this is fun only because I did a dozen interviews, but it's, but this is my second one with my best friend. So, it's so fun to me. I just got to throw that in there. 
Hey but man, like, I'm glad you enjoying this. I'm glad y'all yeah, enjoying it. Yeah, man. Cause yo, you got yo. This is this is this is this is great. This is what I do music for. You know what I mean? Like I do more music for these moments. And so when I'm thinking about how he's saying that, and I'm like, all right, let's let's keep it on Dwayne Wade and LeBron James real quick. You know. If I'm telling you that Dwayne Wade is my favorite player, you got to know I was on 10 when he won the championship in 06 before LeBron. Yeah, LeBron right. was on 10. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yo, yo, on 10. And Chris is watching it too. I'm hyped. I ain't rubbing in nobody's faces, but I'm hyped. Then my boy went through some hard times. And then I'm just like, damn. You know what I mean? Like, you know, this is my favorite. This is my first ever really legit favorite player that I'm trying to watch every game. And I'm like, man, my man going through some hard times. That's where I was two years ago. Two years ago, I was in my hard times. I was in my, damn, yo, I can't do this all by myself. Or, damn, yo, it ain't as fun as it used to be. And then this nigga come, and then now I can be me, but without certain pressures. Mm-hmm. And without certain pressures, I am free to create. And when I am free to create, I am at my best. And so that's why we are even doing this interview today, because Chris being comfortable of being the, facil- the facilitator role. Because when we played basketball, he wasn't the dude that's going to score all the points. I wasn't, I wasn't, even though you can, right? You know what I mean? Like, he, but he wasn't going to do it. He was going to. He was going to do it a different way. I was the dude that wasn't. I wasn't coming to the court thinking I'm gonna get everybody involved and then I'm gonna, hit, uh, you know, do my thing. I was like, when the ball come to me, I just got. I'm gonna make the right play. And a lot of the time, the right play meant me making a basket. I felt like. <laughs> and so now it's like adopting that attitude of being on the court where it's like, okay. I've been killing shit by myself. I won my ring. I won my ring a couple of years ago, five years ago when I was doing my thing for my city. I won my ring. And so now it's like, now it's more like, okay, I need help me, uh, winning more rings. And just before you're on the brink of retirement or a downslide, here comes a dude that you know, that you trust, that you built this relationship before all of this. And then here he goes trying to facilitate. And now all my job is is to knock the shot down, and it's such a great ass <laughs> job to be able to just to knock the shot down. <laughs> so look, Chris, as again, so being you, LeBron, you come into this situation with no rings, but now yeah. you teamed up with Trues. Do you feel like this about to be your championship run? Yeah, but. It's not because it's like written in stone. It's like it's what we put into it. Like I like I know what we doing every day. You know what I'm saying? And like if 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 knowing what we doing and putting out the music we putting out, getting the feedback that we getting for anybody to kind of be opposed to it. You know what I mean? It's like it's like I ain't gonna say they hating, but it's like come on, like let's be real about the situation. Right. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Chris, tell them what people been saying about us. Yeah, like every like even from flight three twenty three, or I like this duo, or y'all doing y'all thing, or y'all y'all sound good together. Like and people starting to recognize that we have our own sound. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that that's the stuff that I like to hear. You know what I mean? I don't really not to say that I don't care about the numbers and all that, but for people to hear it 
and then accept that and understand that y'all are creating this together. Y'all are doing something. Y'all a team. It's the sound and all that. That's what I got my education and all that stuff for, to be able to do that, let alone with with him. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. I'm going to go to you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, it's like we'll say we best friends and stuff like that, but it's more or less like that's like my brother for real, you know. So it's yeah. different. Everything we look at is different. Man, that's that's love right there. That's love. I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna go to you, Troy, because I want to talk about my favorite song on the on the flight three twenty three. I want to talk about that song Hollywood. <laughs> that's my favorite. I want to know how did you get in the mindset being a guy from from the north? New, you said New York or New Jersey? Jersey, Jersey, a northern guy from Jersey, then relocating to Augusta, but you created these outstanding visuals for Hollywood. How the hell did you come up with that concept? So, I actually got a chance to visit LA uh, a couple of December's ago, and um, I went to the Ebony Power One Hundred you know, got a chance to like see magic. I was in the press area too, so I got to see him real close. <laughs> so I got to see, I got a chance to see Mike Magic Johnson with his wife, Cookie. I got a chance to see, see um, Ghost, Ghost Wife on Power. I seen Fancy from Jamie Foxx show. I seen and Willow hop on stage and Willow on the red carpet. Man, I seen Tommy Davidson. Yo, you, you are you a Living Color fan? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You remember the episodes where Tommy Davidson is mimicking Sugar Ray Leonard? Yeah. <laughs> Bro, I got to see them both pose on the red carpet, throwing like the fist up, like they fighting. And in my mind, I'm like, yo, this is bananas. Let alone I was staying in downtown LA where you can see what, what they want you to see L.A. is about. I got a chance to go to the, the Hollywood Walk of, uh, Walk of Fame. I uh, got a chance to go to the, uh, to the uh, observatory where right, right, right over the way you got the Hollywood sign. I got a chance to fly over that joint and see how the landscape is. I got a chance to see all of that. I got a chance to see that it's more Chinese and Korean motherfuckers in LA than it is what you think it is. Like, it's not, you know, they painted the picture of LA to be Hispanics and Blacks, but man, you'll be so surprised if it would see all those Oriental people that's over there. Um, so when I did, when I did Hollywood, it, the, when the beat come on, it just remind me of that tropical feel, but a city feel. So I can't go tropical South America. I can't go tropical Hawaii. I can't go tropical those places, but I can go tropical LA. And then I was like, and then the Hollywood aspect is really, it's really, first of all, Flight 323 obviously is about traveling. It's about the movement of energy. So obviously I gotta go that route, but flight, but when you say Hollywood, I feel brand new. That's what I said in the hook. I'm, I feel brand new. So what, what do they say about people when they when, when they feel brand new or when they act? They say they act in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So it's like <laughs> yeah. So it's like okay, welcome to Hollywood. Feel so new. 
Welcome to Hollywood. Gas out the roof because it's legal over there. Welcome to Hollywood. I feel like pop. Welcome to Hollywood. Hollywood. Like, it's just like, it just reminded me of riding through Hollywood and Los Angeles at that time. And I'm like, I'm about to put, you know, a lot of the times I write from the heart and I write from the subconscious energy that's a higher power. But that particular moment, I got a chance to write about an experience. And I named the Nipsey, the Marathon, all of that stuff, the LAX, you know. I gave the 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 my version of what I seen in Hollywood, not even detail for detail, but I got a chance to give my version of it. And all that is, all that's supposed to do is when the flight 323 come on, 323 is the gate. That's where you're supposed to catch your flight at. And then the next song is Hollywood, because that's the first destination. That's where we're going first. <laughs> I'm going to get now, Chris, for you, because you actually the the sound behind it. You did the production. So I want to ask you, did you did you have the lyrics before you produced it? Nah, he he does all the lyrics. Uh, when I made the beat, honestly, I wasn't expecting that to come back from it, honestly. But he does all that. Like, we'll make, sometimes we'll sit on FaceTime and make the beats, and he'll tell me if he like a certain sound or don't like a certain sound, or like the middle part where it slowed down at. You know, that was like a mutual decision. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But when I send stuff to him, he'll just send, he'll hit me up like a day or two later and be like, check your email in. Yeah, we'll yeah. On the phone and we'll just discuss it from there. Rather, we need to go back and change something. Yeah. Or hey, re-record yeah. or whatever. That's just how yeah. it goes. The greatest part, bro, I got to tell you, the greatest part of creating music not only just with Chris, but with producers in general, is the element of surprise of their records. That's what I take pride in really the most. I don't, it's only seldom that I will rap something before I make it, or I will send him what I got before I, I actually record it. But a lot of the times I just want him, like, like put it this way, this is how we work, and this is how I think. We made two beats yesterday. We sampled four non-blondes, what's up? And we sampled Benny and the Jets. And I wrote them songs. I finished them all today. I, I did not rap to him what I got. Yeah, I can't. We literally in the same place right now. Like, I can, but man, it's, it's the beauty of him finding out, like, damn, like, what this nigga, what this nigga did. That also... That also keeps the um, the trajectory open when it's time to create on his own. Because when it's time to create on his own, if he really want to send me something and he making something with me in mind, he got all these different feelings because he wasn't let in on a certain process so it can keep a certain origin and originality in what he makes. And then he just know he can trust me and throw that lob like we talked about earlier, and he know I'm going to catch that joint. And he know that with, with he, whatever he get back is either going to be a classic or it's going to be like, damn, I didn't know. Like he said, I didn't know what he was going to do to that. Like, And I love that, dog. Like, I live for that. I live for that almost more than the, even the public hearing. For you, Chris, 
you know, True is is an extremely talented lyricist. Like oh, yeah. I think anybody that hears music can see that, will oh, yeah. hear that. Not when they hear the music, they can hear his level of writing. So mm-hmm. I want to ask you, being that he's such a great lyricist, does that make you feel like okay, I definitely got to step my production up because I need to match his lyrics? Yes and no. The only reason I say no because when you listen to the hard lyricists like a Jay Z or like a Lil Wayne or like an Eminem, you know what I'm saying, Nas and all these people, they didn't have the craziest beats in the sense of the sounds that was going on, maybe in the hooks. So you gotta have a, it's like a gray area or a space where it's like, okay, I gotta shine maybe, let's say on the hook, and the hook might not be too crazy in the sense of what he's saying, but on those verses, I can't be having the drums coming in and out and doing all this kind of stuff because that's where he is at, that's where he lives, that's his space. You know, so when you get a song like, I say like Notorious, where the beat is kind of building up on that second verse where he's just rapping fast and going in and going in. But that that'll be a time where he's rapping with the beat versus if I do a song like Good Morning America on the hook, how I take out everything and it's just dun dun and he's just rapping over that whole joint. It ain't nothing extra going on in it. So it's like you just got to find that medium and depending on what he does with it. I'm at, true is true's for you. Is it possible for a producer beat to be so good that it outshines the lyrics? Yes. And I'm sorry to take over, but yes, what? that's true. <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. Is this, is, is, this, is this for me in the sense of for me or in general? Okay, good question. I want you to answer both ways. For me, no. I'm always going to do what's best for the what's best for the record. If the hook is better than me, I will know that. And I will find my place in there. I will let it breathe. Like I would um I would just let it breathe. Like it's 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 hard to explain when you hear the music, but when you know something is better or is great, you gotta let it shine. And then because I gotta let it shine, that means I have to dial back. I could shine on the verses because I'm a lyricist, like you said. So I'ma shine on the verses, but if I gotta dumb it down for the hook for people to feel the beat, I will do that. For other people, yes. In this, in, in this day and age, yes. niggas is not really outshining the beat at all. Like beat, that is not a beat. thing. Like the beat is the in beat the is the hit these days. The beat yeah. is the hit. With with me and Chris, the beat it can be the hit when it's the hit. Like it's it's, it's home, almost hard. It's almost like Hollywood. Let's think. Let's let's stay on Hollywood. Hollywood beat to me is so good that I can't say nothing but welcome to Hollywood. Feel so nervous. Welcome to Hollywood. Yes, I do. Welcome to Hollywood. I feel like pop. Welcome to Hollywood. You know what I mean? Welcome to Hollywood. And then I repeat it. And then I, I just keep repeating the same shit. The reason why I'm repeating the same shit is because the music is so good without me that I have to be the simple truths. I gotta be simple. 
And it's cool because now it's your favorite, it's your favorite record from the album. And so that means that I made the right decision as an artist to let the producer shine. Could I have got that beat and try to rip it apart and make this big ass extravagant hook and 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 and, and ad lib all over the place and, and just take up all the space? Yes, I could have definitely did that. But I'm a smart artist. And a small artist would have realized that once that shit come on, whew, you got to let it breathe. And once you let it breathe, you'll realize that you just got to be a different organ in the body of work. You know what I mean? Switching, kind of switching gears, but this for you, Chris. Who is your favorite? This is like in the industry. Who is your favorite artist producer to listen to and why? Right. Artist producer. Yeah. Like, no, no. I'm it. saying. Okay. Let me make it clear. Not because because I, I want to make it clear. The artist rapping t- to the producer's beat. That's what I mean. Currently or like all time. Yeah, all time. <laughs> all time. Oh well. All time. It'd have to be Wayne and uh, Manny. Personally. Really. Cool. Yeah. Nice. But uh, nice. but currently, it like not. It's a little bit of biasness, but if you listen to the actual music and the way they work together, Drake and Forty is like on a whole new level with with stuff. Well, I want to go with your favorite. Why is, why is Blue Wayne and Baby a bird? What is it, Baby? Manny Fresh. Manny Fresh. Damn, I'm tripping. Manny Fresh. Well, and Lil Wayne, Wayne just Wayne, my favorite rapper. Period. Like he the goat to me. So just having to listen to him and understanding. Like me and my brother, my oldest brother, when I when Wayne was doing Hot Boys, that's that's when my brother was getting hip to Wayne, and he was bringing it home. We'd just sit in the room and just listen to Five Hundred Degrees, Block is Hot, and all that stuff, and we'd literally be breaking down like, "Yo, did you hear what he said?" and all this kind of stuff. But me playing drums growing up and being in the band growing up, I'm listening to more than what he's just saying. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. Dang, these beats is crazy. You know what I mean? Manny Fresh doing what he doing. And to me, Manny Fresh is one of the greatest producers we've had in the South, out of the South, period, you know. And for us to have such a substantial rapper like Lil Wayne to be considered as one of the greatest even before he started dealing with other producers. You know what I'm saying? It was just him and Manny for a long time. So for Wayne to reach a certain level of respect from people like Jay-Z and all these other big names, it's like, some, it's another reason for that. It ain't just what he's saying. It's also the music. And if you look at who's making the music, it's Manny Fresh. You know what I'm saying? And Wayne says that in, in songs, now like on Carter Five, he, he got a song that Manny Fresh did. And he was like, Manny Fresh did the beat. Now it's a G-O. Like, he just like know it's a different type of Wayne you're going to get on the Manny mm-hmm. Fresh beat. And it's like, it's just, when you listen to all those old tracks going back from probably, let's say, 07 on backwards, that's all Manny French. So you feel like, like you feel like certain producers bring out the best in certain artists? Yes, for sure. And it's certain type certain types of beats. Like uh like Trues always say, like now Wayne can like obviously Wayne still can rap and do his thing, but Trues always say he need to be with certain producers, like a Timberland or like a Pharrell or like a Kanye. Those type of producers that give us a different Wayne versus him working with Murder Beats and Metro Boom, and not to say that they not good. It's just a certain type of 
sound or a certain type of thing that comes with the Kanye beat. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and, I gotta, I gotta add in here. Um, the Black American Volume One 2020 riots was the first time Chris sampled for purchase, and how I think is how what he just said. Wayne, I feel like, like he said, I feel like Wayne should go to those producers. That's what he needs at this in, in this juncture of, of his career. But for me, I don't want to be able, I don't want to say that about myself. I don't want to say I need to go here to get this. So when Chris samples Riot, when Chris samples Fame, when Chris samples Good Morning America, that's exactly what I need. So I would not go anywhere else. So I can know whatever I want, I can get it in house. I don't gotta feel like I gotta go somewhere else to get a to get a feeling. And that's important, you know. Wayne being his favorite artist, and uh, Chris put me on Wayne, by the way, because I was a big Fifty Cent fan at the time, like <laughs> so big that I didn't want to hear anybody else. And then, uh, so then, now I just, I want him to be Kanye. I want him to be Timbaland. I want him to be Pharrell. But then, I want him to be Chris. But Chris is going to overshadow all three of those alike. Why? Because it's just him in general. And he don't got their skills. So if he don't got their skills, that means whatever he makes is from Chris. So, but if you get the mindset of a Kanye, what would Kanye do with the Summer Breeze sample? Mm-hmm. Okay, boom, he kills this sample. I don't want to think of, and I don't even have to think about if I need a, if I ever get a Kanye beat, I'll do this. Because I got a nigga that'll do a Kanye type of beat <laughs> whenever. And that's, and that, I think also that's my job too, being in this position, position that I'm in is to help the growth level because I feel like I have a real keen way of looking at things and the way producers are, you know, I feel like they in a box, they all in boxes and rappers are all in boxes. Me and Chris are at our genesis where we don't have to be in a box. We can create light, we can create sound, we can create life. And I say that in God's form, because when when everything was formless, God created all of, all of the form, and then once the form came, then everything else after that come in a box. The insects come on the ground; they stay on the ground. The birds fly in the sky; they stay in the sky. Like it's like everything is in a box. Whereas right now, at our 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 level of creation, we can create the world, and then. In five years, we'll stay in a box within that world. Mm-hmm. It's just a method to madness, basically. Chris, you've done you've done two whole product. I'm sorry, two whole projects with True with Trues. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite song to produce, and why? Mm. <laughs> my favorite song on Flight 323 that I produced is All in My Bag. And why is that? Because 
I was experimenting with sampling at that time when I made that beat. So instead of sampling like a song, I wanted to sample something small. You know what I'm saying? So when you play All In My Bag and that piano riff that plays at the beginning, like I played all of that. And then the rest of the is that riff at the beginning chopped up and sampled throughout the whole rest of the song. And I was just practicing, like experimenting with sampling when I made it. And as I'm making it, I'm just like, yo, this is like, this is hard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I structured it and did all that. And then I sent it to him. So like, that's not my favorite song on there, but as far as what I did, the production, cause I know what I had to do to get to that point. You know what I mean? It probably took me like an hour and a half to do that because I was so dialed into making it perfect. And that's, that was my favorite beat on that project. True. As, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Now, I was going to say for black American, it was, uh, it's, it's like a close tie. Fame is a little bit in the league, but fame and good morning America are like both of the, I was proud of both of those. Has there ever been a song true is that after you listened to it, after you heard the beat, you was like, damn, I want to change my lyrics. Mm. Uh, okay. So you almost got me there. Good, good try. Good try, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> good try. All right. So look, you almost got me stuck. But luckily, you know, last time Chris was here in Augusta, you know, I got a chance to go over this with him. But I was playing him different freestyle versions of Hollywood. And I was playing different freestyle versions of another song because I can't really remember. But um, I was playing different freestyle versions. And then I was explaining to him, I was like, bro, do you know how crazy to think that if I would have went with these freestyle versions, the song would be totally different? Mm -hmm. So it's like my way of, of measuring what you just said, the question is to do that, is to feel it out. And and that was, I only did that with three songs on Flight 323 that I felt like I had to feel out. I think All In My Bag was actually one of them, actually. Now that he say that, okay, let's go on All In My Bag. That was his favorite beat. It's a lot of different parts in that beat that is kind of like. You can I do a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I take it as a challenge when a, when a nigga, when a producer makes a beat and sends it to you and say, I want you to rap off this, his structure is what I take as a challenge. So when I took the, all of my bag as a challenge, I freestyled, I, I bust out the voice memos and I freestyle. And everything that's on that freestyle, and Chris can tell you, is not on the record at <laughs> all. <laughs> because once I freestyle to it, and I realized how good the beat is, now I gotta be greater. I gotta be greater because I know the beat is great. So if I'm greater, the song is great. And there we go with the ending of the question is, no necessarily, a beat never hit me and it made me think that I gotta come harder. But subconsciously and emotionally and in my mind, in my heart, excuse me, 
I know I gotta do. I gotta approach it differently, and that's another, how you can tell the difference. Another thing too is like with Trues. Trues is a writer, so it's he ain't even gonna go record until he's done writing it. You know what I'm saying? So mm. it won't. It won't even be an opportunity for him to be like, "Dang, I gotta go change that," because he's not even yeah. gonna do certain stuff until he's figured. He feel like it's already done too. So, not to say that that's an unfair question, but it's just that's just the process. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah. No. This is what I want to close with. I'm gonna start my close. Oh, we closing? Oh no! <laughs> look, <laughs> look, we got we look. We can look. We can always do another one, brother. That's not a that's not a thing. We can always do another one. But I want to close with this. So, Chris, when the listeners hear hear your music. What do you want them to take sonically from you? What do you want them to feel? That's a good question. I ain't never been asked that before. But uh, for me personally, I just feel like I want them to just feel like how I feel. You know what I mean? Like when I'm making them beats, all of them beats make me move a certain type of way. Like not dancing or per se or whatever, but... I'm gonna get a head bob or I'm gonna get a little bob. Like if I if it's not gonna make me move or feel some type of way, I'm not even gonna send it to him. Or I call him and be like, what's missing or something. But I just want the people to feel it and be able to rock with it and move to it and do certain things. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want them to listen to the beat and think that I don't want them to be super critical and oh he could have used this kind of snare and da da da. Like once I put it all together and I'm jumping around my little studio room. And I'm feeling it and doing certain stuff. I just want them to feel that same thing. Whatever they feel beyond that point is up to Mr. Trues. <laughs> and true is when people listen to you, when they listen to your projects, how do you want them? How do you? What do you think they? What do you think they feel about you as an artist? I think. Um, They don't feel what they should feel. Mm. Um, if they felt what they should feel, I'll be in a whole nother position in life. I need to ask, what should they feel? They the should feel like, what you said, Chris? The sincerity in it, the realness in it, the authenticity, you know what I mean? Let me jump in a little bit, see? All right, so the type of artist Trues is, it's like, it's real. And not real in the sense of, I'm a street nigga, dog, I really do this shit. But real in the sense of, like, it comes from a real place, you know what I mean? And for people to claim real in real life so much, like everything that you hear anybody talk about, it's all about being real. You know what I mean? Being yourself. But when someone is being themselves, they want that that said person to be like little baby or be like Gunner or be like whoever. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you can't even accept this person for being himself, and we don't even know if these people are being their true selves. It's just a facade. You know, all these people don't act like how what we see on TV. But when you get a person like Trues that everything he says and writes is coming from a real place and y'all can't even accept that, 
You know what I mean? Because it's not what y'all think real is. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's what I think about it. That's what I think he's trying to say a little bit. I'm going to piggyback off of what you just said, Chris. And this message is for you, Trues. I'm going to tell you why I became a fan. I actually heard you on Slim's podcast. And the crazy thing is, when I first heard you, for about the first, I would say, at least an hour, because the podcast was about two hours. This is your first podcast. I heard you. And within the first hour, you guys didn't even discuss music. You were just talking about life, social issues, just everything but music. And I became a fan then. And I was like, oh, damn, dude, actually rap. I need to hear the music now. So I think you've done an excellent job. If people get a chance to hear you speak, that's the key. You've done a great job of just being more than a rapper. Because I think that's important, me personally. I don't want to view a rapper as just a rapper. When you could transcend rap, I think that's when you're making the impact. And I truly believe you transcend rap. So. You know, I, I, I want to thank you. I want to thank you sincerely because, you know, in my reach and in, in my impact in my city, that first interview that you seen was Slim. Most likely, I had the MTV shirt on. I'm I'm not sure if that's the one, but I'm a straight audio guy. I don't. <laughs> uh, but but my thing is. I'm always transcending, like you said, you know, I, I, I'm always thinking about, because I'm from different places, I'm always thinking about how to take something bigger. So when I do a, a podcast, podcast with Slim, and then if you a follower of Slim, and then you realize that Slim did two album listening sessions, did you notice that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was the first. Do you know why I was the first? Why is that? Because I told him that I should be the first. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, you know, <laughs> I laugh, I, you know, I'm going to be honest. In my cynical stage, I laugh at it too. But then it is like, in the stage of me that wants growth for everybody, I know what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And because I know what needs to be done, I'm willing to be that guy. I'm willing to be that guy to be the first so everybody else can have their first. But their first might be more successful than my first. Yeah. That's real shit. That's real pioneer shit. And, you know, I'm, I get it. You know what I mean? The, nobody, nobody gets no love for the pioneer. The pioneer don't get no love. And I, and I, and I get that. And, and I came to grips with that four years ago. Four. Not one, not two, not last year, not last month. But four years ago, I have came with the grips that I know that I'm going to be a pioneer of a lot of shit because only because nobody from where I'm from is doing that. I'm creating an industry. What I'm doing is creating an industry. What I'm doing is helping artists realize that they can call Slim up and say, hey, I can get uh, an album review. Hey, I can get an interview. I can tell them what I, how I feel about this project. I'm the one that's starting that behavior and that behavior process for Slim to even want to do that with artists where you don't see no value in it because they're not famous anyway. So it's kind of like, 
the value is in the content. What I want people to know when I'm gone, when I'm when I die, when I before hopefully before I die, like you know, I don't want to be like James Brown. I'm not even sure, like you know, like 100% that he was here when they when they when they put the statue in this in in the, in, the, in the middle of the downtown. I'm not sure if he was actually alive because I'm sure if he was alive, I would have known about it. That James Brown was in town for his statue cutting. Mm. No, yeah, he was, I'm he not. He was, he was passed already. He was passed already. I'm. I don't want to be passed. When, when it's shit, the flowers. I don't. That's that's what I want to. I, that's what I want people to take from my music is that I don't want to be dead and gone for them to realize the shit that I've done, and from the age of twenty five and now I'm twenty eight, I don't want them to realize or feel like, oh, now we should celebrate them because from the age of twenty four, twenty five is when I started to realize that the shit was deeper than me. The shit is deeper than Chris. The shit is deeper. The shit is like we need to do what we doing to make people in this city that we from realize that they can go as far as they fucking can. And if they do it in this lifetime, hopefully they have the right decency in they in they being and in their, in their body to say where they got it from. That's the whole thing. And once they and once people say where they got it from, then they'll realize who needs to be celebrated. And hopefully at that time, we are alive for that moment. Because then if we are alive for that moment, everything we do from there and thus far will be so more impactful than what James Brown has ever did when he died. Why? Because we're alive. And you should not wait to give a nigga flowers when he's dead, because he can no longer do anything for that community. I am trying to do something for the people who are watching me, for my city, for the people who went to school with me 10 years ago in high school, for the people who went to school with me 20 years ago in elementary school, in middle school, to say, yo, this shit wouldn't be shit without this. And it's the truth. Everybody else doing music. Everybody else shooting a video. Ain't nobody putting out classic product. Ain't nobody putting out that 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 thing that 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 shit. Ain't nobody putting that out. And I and and I hate to be long winded on this answer, but ain't nobody doing that, man. So if it take me linking with a brother of mine, aka a best friend, BKA a brother, if it takes for me doing that, if it takes for me bringing a couple of more people out, if it if it takes for me shooting a uh, iconic videos. If it takes for me shooting a nude photo photo shoot, if I gotta go nude for a photo <laughs> shoot, you know what I mean? To make you motherfuckers feel like, oh shit, we need to be looking at this. Then I will do it because I know my duty and ain't nobody else gonna do it. I know that because I sat back and watched for three to four years, bro. I sat back and watched for three to four years and realized that people was not going to do the necessary things that it takes for it to be done. They wasn't going to empower these podcasters to put rappers on their shit. They wasn't going to do that. And now you got rappers doing lists and then the podcasters picking up the list and doing the top 10 list. 
and now they doing listening uh, joints and all of that shit, bro. Like, come on, yo. Nah, I seen that shit before anybody else seen that shit. Why? Because everybody else playing with it. No disrespect to everybody else. They all got skills. They all do that shit. Yeah, but I've been around for so long that I know when you wasn't even doing that shit. And I'm doing that shit. And because I'm doing that shit, I hope people see what I'm doing. And once they see what I'm doing, I want my statue right next to James Brown because <laughs> James Brown deserves company looking at that Confederate-ass motherfucker in the middle of the comments because they got them vertically next to each other. They're, they're facing each other. Nah, you need somebody next to you to let these people know that somebody was looking to forward the way music is presented in their city. Now, do I got good, great music for the world to hear? Yes, I got great music for the world to hear. And if they want to hear it, when they hear it, they're going to be like, oh, shit, yeah, he better than all my favorite artists. I get that off rip. But my focus is things that I can actually touch. And what I can touch is that James Brown sample, What I, uh, that statue. What I can touch is Chris. What I can touch is these artists that know me and know that I've been doing this shit forever and they call me the GOAT secretly in the club. They call me the GOAT in my ear in the club. They're not going to tweet about it. They're not going to put it on Instagram. They're not going to take a picture of me and call me the GOAT. They're not going to do that. But when they see me in the club, they're going to call me a GOAT in my ear. You know why? Because they know without what I did, they, it would have never been cool to do it. It would have never been cool. Was the first nigga in Augusta, Georgia, to, to do a pro-black song called "Only Black in the Room." It's called "Pharaoh Skin." Only black in the room for everybody that's listening. Y'all go look it up. Only black in the room. I was the first one. Then after that came a video shoot about a little kid dying on a basketball court from a straight bullet. Who you know today in the last ten years that did something like that? Besides join the Lucas. Who in the last 10 years you know that did something like that? So I want my, my city to know that I'm the first ever to ever do something to further the minds of the natives in the land. I want them to know that. I want them to know that. And that's, that's well, ultimately, that's what I want them to know. I don't need to be rich. I don't need to have the biggest house because that's going to make niggas jealous. And I'm not saying you can't pay me. You need to pay me because what I do needs to be paid for. Because Chris needs to get paid just as much as I need to get paid. So, yes, niggas need to pay me and all of that shit, but they need to know first and foremost that that's not what it's really for. It's for them to know that I am an inspiration and I will continue to be the person that makes them go further in life. That goes for any artists, anybody, anybody that does something creatively, they must know that I am that nigga from Josie High School. I am that nigga from Westside High School that nobody knew rapped. And then when I start rapping after high school, where there's no, it's not 700 and 800 kids at your disposal anymore that you can give a CD to. There is only what you got. And back then, there was no iTunes, and there was no none of this and none of that. So if you know who Trues is, if you know who, what Damn A Lifetime is, if you know what True Enough is, if you know what Raw and Underprivilege is, then you know that I ain't have shit behind me 
to make it known to you. All you got to know is that I did something that other motherfuckers wouldn't do. I did something. I went places that other motherfuckers didn't go. I've talked about things on my record that other motherfuckers would not talk about. Other rappers would not talk about the things that I've talked about. They wouldn't talk about interracial dating. They wouldn't talk about that. I talked about that. I am that guy, and I need to be known as that guy. If that means having a million dollars in my pocket, give me that shit. But if that means me being broke, I don't give a fuck. Give me that shit, because I need to have that shit. I, that's what I want. That's what I deserve. It's the, it's the glory. It's not about the money. I ain't trying to control every living thing that happens in this city. It's the fact that I need them to know that subconsciously, that means without you moving, like you think you moving, that I was the reason why you moved. I was the reason why you got off, off your couch and you said, you know what, I can be a rapper. Do you know why you said I can be a rapper? Because niggas in the city was feeling one nigga for the last five years, one nigga, and saying, you know what, I like him. And when they wasn't feeling that nigga, they was feeling other niggas. But you know what those other niggas did when they was rapping and recording their songs? They know who Trues is. Do you know why they know who Trues is? Because before they started doing what they, they wanted to do, they knew who Trues was. It's one nigga from the Genesis. And I'm going to be here to the Revelations, goddammit. <laughs> and then once I'm in that, that shit in the Revelations, I need a book in the Bible, in the Music Bible in Augusta, Georgia. I need a book that's dedicated to truth. That's what I want. I need people to be like, you know what? Y'all don't know this. But this nigga did this, and this nigga did that, and this nigga's the reason for this. But I need people to be smart about it. I need them to understand that this ain't taken away from other artists. This is only understanding is shining the light on the stuff that I've done before other artists even did they think. And knowing that other artists knew who I was before who they knew who they self was. Got art, I had artists in my studio that didn't know their rap name, bro. <laughs> I, got, I, had, I, I had that. And then once they got their rap name, they dissed me. Mm. So understand, understand that plight, that you diss me once you get your rap name. But before you get your rap name, you telling me how great it is what I'm doing. So now you ask those niggas who decided to diss me, what was the most important thing to help you do what you was doing? I'm going to tell you what it was. It was a nigga in your city looking like you, feeling like you, and rapping about the things that you already knew that made you feel like it was comfortable to be who you were. That's what I want people to know. Much respect, brother. <laughs> We gonna well, look. I, I don't think it's a better way to close or that, but we do got to make sure we tell each, the people how they can follow. So, Chris, are you are you on IG? Do you want yeah. people to follow? Instagram at Hugdog Beats H U G G D A W G Beats with a Z. That's Twitter. That's uh, Instagram, and my uh, Facebook is just Christian Huggins. That's it. What about you, Trues? Everything is Trues Nation, T-R-U-E-Z, Nation. That means Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. You know, everything you can think of is Trues Nation. Um, if you support me, you're a part of the nation. I am not the nation. I am only Trues. You support me, you're a part of the nation. 323 Productions, we produce everything. Me and Chris, we produce everything from movies, 
to um to to music to videos to all of that stuff and yeah if you look go searching now you won't see none of that stuff do you know why because the genesis wasn't built in the day so give me seven days aka seven months aka seven years we uh we'll do it that time oh yeah we're we Appreciate work. y'all. And gentlemen, thank you for lending your time and Tyler to the podcast. It's been a, it's been something I wanted to do for a long time, talk to an artist and a producer on the same podcast. So thank you both for making that happen. Yes, sir. Yeah. Thank you yeah, all man. for listening to the podcast. You all have a great day.